And hello everyone, welcome to Two Back Set. It's time for episode two, previewing week one. We're gonna recap week zero. We're gonna talk Iowa, we're gonna talk Texas, some late breaking Big Ten news, 12 team playoff news, and go through our picks pool here for week one. It's time to actually get that kicked off. So Fusion, welcome to the show. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, AKA Mr. Warburg. Already Fusion, I already said your name. I already plugged the intro. Hey, how's it going? It's all good. Greetings and salutations and everything in between, guys. It's week one, not week zero, because last week was week zero, week one. Yep, it's the, the like it's the wider slate of games. We no longer just have 10 games. We've got a full slate this week. I apologize for flubbing that intro. Dinner, my dinner tonight has got me all kinds of flustered. So before the show, we were like, hey, we'll start at 7.30. And then all of a sudden, I get what, uh, I had somebody pick up steaks for me, and I get them out of the package, and I'm like, what? The fuck is this so i had to wrestle with the fact that the place i had bought some sirloins wrapped in bacon from just chopped up sirloin and wrapped it in bacon it wasn't even a full cut it was an absolute disaster i was fucking mad i'm still mad wait so they were like they were like cubes like yeah they like were stew? like big big stew chunks of sirloin oh. with bacon around it now, so, if you had some so toothpicks, you could have made kebabs out of them you know? that's what i did i ended up sticking them together so that way they would all kind of cook uniformly yeah. It, but I didn't. I don't have the setup. Like I don't have my kebab. I just have little tiny toothpicks. So I just kind of had to make it work. And otherwise, all that meat was like, what am I going to do with it? I'm not ready to make a stew. It's fucking end of August. And exactly stew weather. We're back to triple digits uh, up here in Iowa. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I've had a night. Fusion. I imagine yours was simpler. <laughs> yeah, I we went fast food. We hit the drive-through. We hit Burger King, and then uh, you know, meat it simple. This one, but. I'm gearing up, though, because come Saturday morning, man, I am going to fire up the grill. going to make some grilled fajita steak nachos. So uh, that's what I usually do. Because it's a long day, though, I usually throw some uh, some brats on. Because you were here last year. For oh, yeah. Day. Oh, that was a, we that was a wonderful meal. Yeah, because we started off with burgers and brats. And then while all four, three of us were hanging out, like, full bellies, I still was barbecuing. And I had... Uh, what, you had burn-ins. Bird, I had pork more, belly More sausages. In more sausages and then tri-tip going on so yeah and then the rice and then the beans and it was just a smorgasbord but it's just myself this saturday so what i plan on doing is uh running over to one of my favorite tex-mex places picking up their queso because it's fucking delicious and then i'm gonna grill everything else make everything else and then just kind of make my own nachos off of that so yeah sounds like a plan for me my uh, my week one eats will be my grilled buffalo wings okay. i got some good garlic buffalo sauce to try out with, along with the usual recipe that I do. I did a stream for this back in July from Wing Day. So I got my three pounds of wings. I'm ready. I'm going to be ready for an 11 a.m. kickoff for Iowa-Utah State. Of course, I'm repping the Hawkeye jersey if you're listening on, or the Hawkeye suit jacket if you're listening on audio services. And I'm going to take it off now because it's fucking hot in here. Yeah, you're starting to look like you're breaking out in a sweat. I didn't want to say anything, but oh. I was like, he's not going to make it. He's not going to make the entire podcast. That was a warm one. But I'm back. Got, of course, I'm still rocking the Iowa shirt and hat because it's week one and we're ready for kickoff for the Hawkeyes and the Longhorns. Those are our two teams of focus. But before we get into week one, we should talk a little bit about week zero. Sure. And some big notes of the day. So number one, and obviously this is the more nationally relevant topic. Uh, Notre Dame, are they legit? Now, I only watched like half the game because honestly it was kind of a it was kind of a buzzkill for a week zero. For that being the yeah. you know the prime time like the premier game, and they just destroyed them like it wasn't even close. So, and and maybe it comes down to the fact that the triple option if you have that long of to prepare, 
Like, if it is week one and you're a solid defense, you're going to be fine. Like, Iowa against Georgia Tech back when they ran the triple option, they had, what, the month to prepare before the Orange Bowl, and they just, it was the biggest, you know, 18-point blowout I've seen in my life. Like, Georgia just Tech could just not move the ball. That was when they had Darius Hayward Bay. Like, that was a good offense. But because Iowa had so much time to prepare, it kind of neutered everything they could do with the triple option. And I, so you got to wonder, is it the triple option week one? And would it give him, would that have given him more fits later in the season? Or is noted, is Navy just that bad? And, or is it just a combination of all three? Maybe Notre Dame's just that good. Doesn't hurt that they have a, what, 25-year-old quarterback in Sam Hartman? That is very true. I mean, he's, what, in his 10th year? I mean, after coming out of Wake Forest? Um, he fits what they do. They have a very, they have prob- arguably, I'm going to say Texas is, Texas is top five offensive lines. Iowa's pr- going to pretty close to top 10 offensive line. I think I, I'm going to say no. no Iowa's, Iowa hasn't been top 10 on an offensive line in a long time. A couple of years. It but I'm m- just saying, it like, might turn the corner, but it's not going to be good. I'm talking about, well, you guys brought in some transfers as well. Yeah, uh, that's to improve that. I don't think they're going to um, pass block for it. <laughs> yeah. But Notre Dame is arguably the best offensive line in the country. There's going to be multiple guys on that line that will be uh, first or second round picks in the NFL draft the next year. So, um, that offense is going to be solid. They have some weapons around Hartman, but that defense is really good. So you have to ask yourself, is Notre Dame legit? But then again, it's just, it's it's equal to hearing, is Texas back every time something big happens, right? I mean, that's just, we've, it's kind of par for the course for Notre Dame. But then, you know, when they have, and occasionally have a really good, you know, uh, top five finish to their season, and they get into a major bowl game or the playoff, it's just like, they really are disappointed, right? I mean, that's kind of, they're on par with like Oklahoma, where Oklahoma has dominating years in the Big 12. And then they get exposed they, in the playoff. In the playoff every single time. Well, that's the thing you have to ask yourself, but, you know, they're, they've, got a, they've got a tough schedule ahead. I mean, well, let me correct that. They have Tennessee State, but then NC State, but then in a couple of weeks after that, they have Ohio State, they have USC a few weeks after that. Then it gets really tough. USC, Pitt, Clemson, Wake Forest, and then they finish off of Stanford. But Wake Forest is also one of those teams that's kind of like with Hudson Card. What's really good? Oh, I'm sorry. Hudson yeah. Card's at in Purdue. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, they're, they're a team that could tough. jump up and grab you. Yeah. Like they're so, they're kind of like um, Purdue in that sense of like, so look I, out. I think, I, I think the first few weeks we're probably going to have, what, like a 5-0? and 1, 2, 3. Yeah, we're going to have 4-0 and going to Ohio State. And with Ohio State with Stroud, uh, Kyle McClord taking over at quarterback, I think that's who they named, yeah. Yeah, Kyle McCord, because Devin Brown was the sophomore that they were people thought was going to take, but McCord's taking over, and I think Brown will probably transfer at the end of the year. I mean, I don't think he'll stay then, and depending on the type of year that that McCord, yeah, that's has. true. But um, I really think that um, it's going to be an interesting game, and it's a good test very early on, like right before things get real hefty for the rest of the college football landscape, for them to go and face Ohio State in in South Bend. There's a lot that, that that's in their favor in that game, but then again, Ohio State's just Ohio State. They have a receiving core that's just really amazing. They have a pretty decent uh, linebacking core. Ohio State does, um, but it's it's going to be one in the trenches, man. That's really it. Over the next few weeks, you can watch Notre Dame and see how the offensive line looks. But man, when they face Ohio State, it's going to get interesting. You know, week four, week five, I think. One, two, three, yeah, week five. Yeah, because you got to so, count them. They started in zero. 
I was it's throwing me off that they played on Thursday on last Saturday, but um it was fun to watch for me because it's like, hey, I have friends that are big Notre Dame people. You know, I have one friend that went to Notre Dame. A couple of friends back home in Houston are lifelong uh, Irish fans. But I'm still kind of like, eh, just like that San Jose State-USC game. I'm like, eh, it's a cream puff, just like Texas facing Rice, you know, and, and Iowa facing, you know. Iowa could roll off 40 points this week. That doesn't mean anything for you. I know you're probably to like. Oh, that hey, would that just... would be great for Brian Ferris to be like, oh, good, I can finally. I... Hey, next week, next few weeks, we can just take it easy. We can just run eight, nine, nine, nine points here, nine points. Yeah, here, we just need ten. That's all we need. Yeah, just keep my average at that twenty-five. We're good, man. Uh, but I think um, it's it's but it's a it was a good opening test for uh, the trenches for Notre Dame. Does that mean that they're 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 legit? I don't know, man. I we'll see when they play Ohio State. Let's put it like that. That's yeah. a good much like kind of Texas Alabama. You know, like you'll see it pretty quick how yep. legit they actually are. So that'll be definitely a game to circle that week along with, obviously, for me. Uh, I think that's the same week Iowa plays Penn State, right? I believe so. Yeah, it's yes, the first sir. week of, like, proper Big Ten play. Not counting mm-hmm. this week's uh, uh, Nebraska-Minnesota game, which we'll get to later. Um, so on top of that week zero, uh, Jacksonville State wins their FBS debut behind head coach, former Michigan head coach, uh, Rich Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Two other former Michigan head coaches got their dub, uh, Brady Hoke at San Diego State which is apparently facing a bunch of discipline issues, if I read right, or was that USD, like San Diego? I think it's USD. Might have been USD. Uh, and then Don Brown uh, wins at UMass, and like they looked fairly decent. Everyone's like, okay, is UMass, is UMass like competent now? Because it has not been the case for a while. It was a oh, long time. Yeah. They were constantly, hey, we're going to be in the bottom 10 of every list all season. Man, in the, in the mid-90s, they were, they were basketball... They were a really big basketball program, UMass. And they've been really quiet with football, yeah. Yeah, so for week zero, uh, I think that about wraps it up. There really wasn't much of note that really happened. Like, nobody got hurt. You know, there was no season-defining injuries. Um, There were some fun plays. I think it was that UMass – was that the UMass game where the guy's helmet was turned around and he threw it blind trying to go to, uh, you know, finish off the comeback? (laughs) That's going to go in the end of season, like – sicko plays of the year because it was just so random he's like just running around with his head turned around and just chucks the ball somehow didn't get intercepted i don't know but there was a penalty on the play obviously all right so we should probably dive right into week one yes i've done a fair amount of talking here so fusion texas is hosting the rice owls 230 central on fox any any notes any news anything to talk about other than you expect rice to get rolled um, I think the real big thing is let's see what happens with the running back core. Obviously, with Bijan Robinson, who was a Heisman finalist at last year, who will just rip, you know, he'll rip it up in the NFL for the Falcons this season. Um, who's going to be? I I think it's who's going to finish the season as the guy. I think the freshman C.J. Baxter will be. Uh, I know there are a couple running backs that they have. Keelan Robinson's one of them. I forget the other guy's name now. I forget. Uh, Ford Brooks, I think he's Brooks, uh, the the sophomore that's that's basically going to get the start, starter snaps uh, because he he was the third back outside of Roshan Johnson and uh, Bijan Robinson. But uh, C.J. Baxter is this you know, a top top fifteen player in the country coming in six two two hundred and twenty pounds. Like he is going to be a beast in college football. Um, I think that 
this is a this is a good opportunity for him to get some meaningful snaps before they go to they go to Tuscaloosa. I think that's really the big thing, man. Honestly, this is like we're gonna tune some stuff up before we go to Tuscaloosa. Let's see how the secondary plays. Um, the receiving core is really good. Let's let's fine tune the running game. Let's see. Let's test out uh, Quinn Ewers' arm. That's a really big thing. Let's see how he commands the offense for three plus quarters, and then let's give the th- the you know late third quarter all of the fourth quarter to the backups. Get get the freshmen in because they have a ton of freshman talent coming in on the defensive side of the football. Let those guys get their snaps in too because, like I said last week, it's going to be big time for them to see the home crowd in front of, you know, 100,000 people, and then they got to, the next week, haul ass over to Tuscaloosa, and they have to they have to put on a show, man. It's going to be a dogfight in Tuscaloosa next week, but... Let's not worry about that now. This is all about fine-tuning the Longhorns. That's really it. I think I think it'll be I think by the by the middle of the third quarter you'll start seeing the backups come in, honestly. Fair assessment. So for Iowa, it's probably gonna be a little sooner, at least at the quarterback position. Um Iowa is hosting Utah State, the Aggies. Um that's t- that kickoff is eleven AM Central on FS one. Cade McNamara is going to play, assuming there's no setbacks today and tomorrow at practice. Most likely tomorrow, if there any is anything. So I think Friday they just do walk through stuff. So yeah, uh, shouldn't expect anything to change on that front. Um, sounds like he's going to play. They're optimistic, but it sounds like it's going to be rather conservative. They're not going to do any like called runs or anything like that. But you got to remember they did call some of those. Like they would call, you know, QB sneaks technically counted with Stanley because he was basically guaranteed four yards every time. But, you know, like with Beathard and quarterbacks like that, like we would call runs. That's not going to happen this week. Um, number one, it's a team we should outmatch fairly readily. Other than, you know, actual live, like just practice, there's really not much need to do that, especially with a quarterback that you're not sure. Is he 95% or is he 100%? You know? Also, he's coming off of an ACL tear two years ago. Exactly. Like you don't want to push it until you know, you know, he's got the game reps, he's getting hit by an opposing team, and you know he's fine. Then in the rivalry game, Iowa State, that should be a, a win because of what Iowa State has lost. Open up the playbook a little more. Work that all out, especially because Eric All is also coming off of serious back injury. Work work all of that kind of out of the system before you get to Penn State. We should, realistically, pretty easily be 3-0 and going to Penn State. So you want to sure. get through all of that. And obviously the line for Iowa is like, what, it's like 20-some points or something like that. I think the line was 25 yesterday. The joke on Reddit was, can Iowa even score 25 points? If I had a guess, I'd say we end up in the 30s somewhere because the backups are probably going to score at least a touchdown uh, once you know, once both teams go to their backups in the second half. Um, I would imagine it's going to be pretty heavy run game stuff. You know, kind of showcase Caleb Johnson. And the run game looked pretty good last year towards the end of the season. They were opening up some big holes. We had a couple big 100-yard games from Caleb Johnson, so I think he at least he got close to 100 yards. He was like back three, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's the guy. Very end of the last season and ended with over 700 yards. So I imagine they're going to feature him very heavily come Saturday. And it's going to be really hot, so, you know, I imagine we'll see a lot of backups early because it's going to be triple digits. It's, you know, bacon in the sun at Kinnick. There's really not much shade on the field especially that early in the day, you know, for a Midwest still technically summer. So I imagine you'll see a fair bit of rotation into the backups for both teams. Um, but yeah, I do expect Iowa to pretty heavily. And, and again, Iowa's heavily winning doesn't look like Texas heavily winning because they're not yeah. going to go run 50 points up the board. 
you know, maybe an early Kirk tenure they would because they had quarterbacks like Brad Banks that could do that. But yeah. with it with a you know potentially not 100% Cade, one of your two tight ends coming off an injury, you're working in a couple transfers at wide receiver and offensive line. I just don't see that happening. I see them playing fairly conservative, but trying to get up into the 30s because you got that Brian Ferentz contract issue. And they might let up, you know, 21 points. So it's not going to look like a huge blowout, but it's going to feel like one, in my opinion. That's my, that's what th- I'm expecting. I And I agree with you. I don't think I don't think for them it's not about flinging the ball around. It's more about execution. And control. That's yeah. control and execution because, you know, Iowa State, regardless of how good or bad they will be this year, given all the controversy, they will still be facing an in-state rival next week. And, and so, on the road, too. On the road. So I can see them coming in with a, a different mentality, you know, mindset. And so I say, like, you're right. Get Caleb Johnson the ball. Give it, give it to him in space. Let's see what your short passing game's like. Like, iron out all the – and this is a lot like Texas. The only difference is, is that Texas is a part of the Big 12 where they have to throw the ball up and over. Yeah, they're trying to you take know, like, the top off the defense. They have, they have to take the top off the defense in order for them to, you know, especially given their schedule this year, who they're facing, like U of H, you know, K-State, Texas Tech. So it's like, hey, we've got to make sure that we iron out all of our game plan offensively. So I could see Texas – saying, screw it, we want to score 50, 60 points over Rice. You know, but in the process, it's like, hey, when it's 34 to 3 or 34 Yeah, get 7, your backups in. Get your backups in there and let them run the rock and then occasionally throw the ball. Let's 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 try to just execute, but let's also score, score the football because we want to make sure we feel like, hey, we've empowered everybody to work. Because week, week two, it's just already, boom. Yeah, you got to hit Texas that ground running. Let's go to Tuscaloosa Whereas, and let's do this, man. Iowa so, can have a little more of a ramp up. Yeah. But that's not to yeah, take away from Utah State. They are a higher class of football than I would say of Rice. Yeah. You know, like they are a rival of Utah up until Utah left for uh, the pack and now the Big 12. So like yeah. they're, they're, they're are they Mountain West. They got to be Mountain West. I think so. So like that's a, a league above Rice, I would say, in terms of competitiveness. So their depth is going to be better. But I just don't see them competing with Iowa for four quarters at Kinnick. So, all right. So that's our thoughts on our two main teams for Iowa and Texas. If you couldn't tell, Iowa and Texas is our big focus. If you're listening on cert- on anything, on the video, obviously, Fusion's rock rocking the Texas. I got the Iowa gear. Those are our teams. So we're going to talk a so lot I'm about that. So I'm going to say this. Dude, I, I went to the store. I went, okay. So I don't know how it works at other colleges. I don't know how it works at Iowa. But in Texas, we have the university co-op, which is the huge, where you go and buy some of the best gear and some of the hard-to-find stuff. I went... First off, I went. I screwed up by going to Dick's Sporting Goods to try to find me a football jersey. They had an Earl Campbell. Didn't like the way it fit. I pulled the trigger and bought an Arch Manning football jersey. I don't know if you guys don't know. Oh, yeah. Arch is the incoming freshman quarterback. He's Peyton, and uh, and he's he's Peyton Manning's nephew. Okay, he was the number one college recruit last year. Whatever. He's gonna sit this season behind Ewers unless Ewers struggles, and he has to come in. That being said, that is football jerseys now at 45 years old, Thomas, they're not comfortable, man. I don't know. Like when I was younger, maybe they weren't comfortable and I well, just that didn't style care. almost looks like a baseball jersey. This is a baseball jersey. Oh, okay, this is that's what you're rocking. And I'm like, you, no, you I was, can't like, be rocking yeah, the Manning jersey. I was no, I was getting to the point of I put on two football jerseys and I was like, dude, maybe it's age, maybe it's kind of like like I have revisionist history because I used to think football jerseys. I used to have a bunch of them as a kid in my as a teen and into my twenties, right? I had tons of them. 
Man, I hadn't had one in, what, 10, 15 years? Bought that thing. I was like, this is fucking uncomfortable. I put it back in the bag. I'm taking it over to Dick's. I went to the co-op and bought me a baseball jersey. Baseball jerseys are comfortable. If you guys have seen a few of our well, it's podcasts. It's basically just a weird athletic button-up shirt. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the, the, the numbering and the lettering and all that stuff doesn't, it doesn't, like, dig into you like a football jersey does. And I understand why, because they're supposed to be durable. But it's just not comfortable, man. I have several Astros jerseys. Love them. I bought me a Texas baseball jersey. Hey, man, this is comfortable. I like it, man. Yep. Like, for me, I got a few Vikings jerseys in the closet. They're mostly too big. I mean, just because they were replicas. So, like, they're meant, you know, like, the size of what you would put over pads, right? They're just bigger. But, like, I would wear them, like, over a coat, like, going to a Vikings game kind of deal, which I may be doing later this season. I got to actually talk to Dennis and see if we could find some tickets because he's up in Duluth. So, they're expensive, though. A lot more expensive than going to an Iowa game. Hey, at least you have a a beautiful air-conditioned space now. That is true. The U.S. Bank is a gorgeous stadium. And doesn't leak when it rains like SoFi. Very good point. So, uh, back to the rest of our talk for week one. One of the other big things we do week to week or going to continue to do week to week is talk about our picks pool, which is a free thing. And I'll have the link down below. You can join after the fact. It's not a big deal, um, but it's obviously cumulative. So earlier, the better. We've got five games this week. We already talked to Texas and Iowa. Shocker, we're both picking our teams, Iowa and Texas, to win. The other three games are a little more intriguing that we've picked for this week. We've got five per week. So we've already done the two. We have three to talk about. There's no money lines or anything to bet. We're just picking the winner in our pool. So our other three games are two on Thursday, uh, Florida at Utah, and then Nebraska at Minnesota, starting Big Ten play with a kind of fan rivalry with the five bits of broken chair trophy, just a great little like fan, you know, grassroots charity fundraising trophy. And then our other game is, uh, is the Saturday game, North Carolina at South Carolina, which is the night game on ABC. It's a 6.30 kickoff time. So Fusion, where do you want to start in that uh, in that rundown? Uh, let's start with you, Florida Utah, because that's the first game. That's yeah, that's, that's going to be the high profile night. one. That's uh, seven p.m. tip on uh, kick. I keep saying tip. I've, yeah. I've got basketball on the brain. Uh, kickoff time on ESPN. Utah is the ranked team at home, but there was some big news about who's not playing. Uh, Utah's quarterback uh, Cam Rising. Texas transfer. Um, he was their guy last year. Tours ACL in the bowl game. He is listed as of right now, as of Wednesday evening, as unlikely to play, which is a big deal. That da- that doesn't mean that that Florida immediately takes advantage because they're still coming into Salt Lake City and the Utes are a good team. They yeah, have they're a, a really deep, good team. solid team. They just won the Pac-12 yeah, two years in a row. Yep, and I mean, like their offense is good. They have skilled position players in all the. All the positions, they have a, a pretty good defense. The thing is, they're not too bad in special teams. I think I think without even without Cam, uh, they should still be able to beat Florida. But I'm going to tell you, it's a lot closer. When we first looked at this, I was like, okay, I get Florida's quarterback. Uh, what is it, Garrett uh, Nussmeyer? Is that who the quarterback Sounds is? Sounds right. Yeah. Another tr- I think he was a transfer. Um, Nussmeyer's their quarterback. Florida looks like they're trying to rebuild things. Okay. I was like, okay, but I still thought that Utah was a better team. Am I worried now? Not so much, but I'm going to say the gap's a little closer. So there may be a period in this game where I may start to sweat a little bit on the pick. Um, but I, I pick Utah on this one. I, th- I think even without rising. Now, is there a slim chance rising plays? Maybe, but 
coming off that ACL, you know, in December. Yeah, it's not I a conference you, game. Don't risk it. No, I think I think that's the big thing is that they're waiting. They're waiting to get to. Uh, the Pac-12 conference, because we both have talked about, we looked at our schedules, we've looked at our, our predictions, and we've looked at all the numbers from all the books and all the prognosticators. The Pac-12 in its last season is going to be pretty much a really good conference. Let's be it's real. It's going to be a good race. I mean, US, USC and Utah are, are uh, and Washington are the top three, but then Oregon could be bouncing back really hard, really strong. Don't leave UCLA out of the fight. You know, like there's, there's so many factors there with the Pac-12, but... I think it's going to be closer this year for Utah, but I still think that that dogfight between USC and Utah, it's going to be Utah, in my opinion. I think it's going to be Utah. With Cam, if Cam Rising comes back healthy, that means you don't play him right now. Let him give him another week to just kind of work through his 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 uh, therapy, his rehabbing, and wait till you get to the conference play. Honestly, yeah. So officially, you're picking Utah. I'm officially picking Utah. Same here. They're the home team. Now, where it gets interesting. For me, is yep. that next game, which is Nebraska Minnesota, because unlike which is also Thursday night, Thursday night, same kickoff time, so I'll be dual screening, and yep. unlike Florida going to Utah, there's no time change difference. It's yep. a conference game, so these teams know each other, and you know, like it's other than um, Matt Rule being the new coach at Nebraska, there's a lot of history. There's it's a kind of a burgeoning rivalry. You know, it's on the road. Nebraska wants to make that statement of, "Hey, we got our new coach." This last, you know, decade, it's a blip. We're done with it. We're back to being, you know, a at least competently run team, you know. So, you know, because obviously post Scott Frost, they really want to put that best foot forward. Meanwhile, Minnesota, that pressure's on P.J. Fleck. You know, like, he's yes. got to start producing wins over Big Ten West opponents. He has not beaten. I don't believe he's beaten Kirk yet. Has no, he? No, he has not. No. no. Yeah, I don't think he ever did. He's one of the only ones in, in the West that has not. Like, he's got to start producing wins. And I just, they're, I don't think either of them are going to be competing for the West crown. But that's what kind of makes it interesting. Like, we're not always going to pick games that are, you know, the ranked teams facing each other. The line on this, I think, right now is like seven and a half. I think it's going to end up closer. I think it's going to be, you know, any. I think it's going to be kind of one of those field goal kind of pick em games. And it just, just because of the nature of it, where Nebraska really has that urgency. At least from their fan base, I'm getting that sense. I haven't been plugged into the team reporters very much. Mostly, I'm just consuming this kind of secondhand through their fans on like various different platforms. But I think that should be a fun game. That one is also seven o'clock and uh, kicks off on Fox. So that one actually gets the national broadcast, which is yep. uh, rather interesting that they decided to pick that one. I think it's more of just a story of Matt Rule taking over Nebraska. Yeah, that's a big storyline. It's a big storyline coming because... off the NFL and. Yep. Yep, because Luke Fickle is over there. Because we talked about it last week. For me, I think Wisconsin is going to be that that team that surprises a lot of people. But I think people were a little more realistic with Nebraska in that. Hey, it's going to take a year to. Oh like, yeah, they're they're, they're not expected to go for the crown, but they should no. be at least a solid team. Yeah, I mean that's the main thing, making sure they're a well coached team. Because as much as you like Scott Frost as just kind of a legacy player and a personality, he just really. It didn't work out for him. He should have stayed. What was it, UCF or US? He should have USF. stayed there, built that legacy, and yeah. seen what he could do with his own dudes. Well, because he would have been in the Big 12, you know? Exactly. And he yeah. could have really thrived over there. And that's and, assuming he would like, even worked out there, because remember, he won with not his dudes. Yep. So I, I think, you know, I think I think with, uh, with Nebraska and Matt Rule, I think that was a, the, the right hire for them. Now, transfers coming in next year because, you know, the college football landscape, 
who's going to be starting, who's not going to be players are going to want to leave the other big schools, come over to Nebraska, the NIL for the for the for the incoming freshmen. So I think they'll be better next year. But this is going to be a year of like, let's see how they how how, how coached up they are. Yeah, that's really what I'm looking at. And I, I for me, I pick Minnesota just because it's at home, and I think they're kind of I think they're kind of close to in terms of like where I think Nebraska is going to be and where Minnesota will probably end up. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say this now. I think this is going to be PJ flex last year, just because a pair of nine and four seasons, that's nothing to scoff at for Minnesota. But when you're six and three and five and four in the big 10 and you're coming in second place in the West, they're going to want to see results. You know, I really think that's going to be it for them. Yeah. And, and this again comes down to kind of how the program has run themselves. Like at Iowa, they'd be fine with that record. Right, just because of how Iowa runs their athletic department, you know they're a school that's had two two coaches for almost fifty years, right? Yeah. Like that is not even an anomaly. Doesn't even say that correctly. It is almost impossible to imagine that in today's college football landscape, even at a place like Minnesota that does not expect. They know they're not a blue blood. They haven't been yeah. since the '60s, right? They know that. But you're right. There's like I just get this sense of. Maybe not urgency to move on, but almost that he's kind of wearing thin. Because he's got some of that kind of he really wants to be a like he's got he's got the mantras and you know, he's always, you know, he's got a dress sharp for, you know, his games and stuff. And you get the sense other coaches in the in the sport like don't like him. Like Kirk Ferentz calling st- three straight timeouts up 35 on the road in his house while it's zero degrees on the field. Yeah, you get the sense Kirk doesn't like that dude. And you get some kind of the sense that maybe some of those Midwestern vibes up in Minnesota don't vie with PJ Flick very well in terms of, hey, you're not winning the West at least. Like, is that even a possibility? And he hasn't really come that close beyond, I want to say, was it two years ago they were a, wee, a win away? Like if Iowa had lost and they won because they beat Wisconsin. They have gotten the ax a couple of times. But can they take that jump? Or I think more likely they're taking a step back. So, but that's a that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch in the Big Ten West in its last season as we know it today. So that brings us to Game Three, or our, our, our rather I should say our fifth game. That yep. is North Carolina, another in, in-state rivalry game. North Carolina ranked twenty-one, going to South Carolina. Now, for me, of course, I want to echo. I also picked Minnesota. Now, just to get it out of the way, North Carolina should win. Drake May or Drake May? Drake May. Drake May. He, you know, people. I don't know. If, is he even technically a dark horse candidate for the Heisman? Or are people like he's on the list right no. now? No, he's 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 one of the front runners. Yeah, like I mean, it's it's Caleb Williams, uh, Michael Penix, and Drake May. Yeah, the top and Marvin Harrison Jr. are the top four. Yeah, so he should go in and beat South Carolina on their field for an in-state rivalry win. But I'm not a hundred percent. Like I'm not like a hundred percent. Sure, because obviously week one, anything can happen. Rivalry games, anything can happen. And I don't know how hot that is. I don't have a sense for how hot that rivalry is. It's not like Iowa, Iowa State, where it's the state Super Bowl, because those are the two biggest brands in the state. Like, sure. are you more familiar with that rivalry than I am? I think, I, I honestly, I think there is kind of, there is the, there is a rivalry there, but it's nothing like South Carolina, East Carolina, if that makes sense. That's a bigger, like, over the years, I've watched those games when, uh, the old ball coach was was over at USC, oh, yeah. and uh, and East Carolina like really they they had some really good games with 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 South Carolina, um, but I think this is just one of those things where it's like hey it's a great you know kind of you know state rivalry you know two states 
on the neck of each other at the line that really face off. And I think that the one thing about South Carolina is that South Carolina is that team that they may not have good seasons in the SEC, but they still cause problems. Like they will they will scare teams, but they'll end up with a horrible record with four wins, five wins, right? Three wins. But they'll end up like along the way scaring old miss. They'll scare a Florida. They'll scare an AM. Like they'll do that. And I think that's their fo- their goal is because Mac Brown is really he's come in, you know, second tenure at UNC and really turned it around fast. Hell, he's got a, a Heisman candidate, you know, a few years in. So I, I think this is um this is gonna be a fun game for me. Yeah, I want to say the, the line is like two and a half. Two and a half, which so is so basically crazy. pick them. Yep. And that's like when it's a pick 'em like that, that means that as good as UNC is, those prognosticators feel like, hey, we're undervaluing South Carolina. So that leads me to believe, like, hey, and again, they, and remember, it's week one. All their fans, yep. week one. Oh, North Carolina's coming to town. Oh, hello. Yep. You know, like it's kind of like and, Iowa but, State, where Ames knows, oh, Iowa's coming. Let's go. And it's and it's like, oh, it's only two and a half. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. What did, then that juice starts what does, flowing. What do, what does Vegas know that we don't? Because Vegas is they get this shit so right, and it's so frustrating how they get these things right like ninety percent of the time. So. Yeah, man, I'm just hoping for a really entertaining game, a really like competitive game between both, you know, between both the, both schools. So uh, I'm all for this game. Yeah. As much as we as we're gonna root for Iowa and for Texas, we both know both of those should be blowout wins. That Florida Utah game on Thursday should be fun, but that's Saturday night UNC South Carolina. That's going to be a good opening Saturday a Saturday night for me. Agreed. That should be a really good end to a solid college football Saturday. Well, we have Sunday because we just we didn't realize. Yeah, but that LSU, brings me Florida to the State. next point. Yep. You've got the reports pulled up just because I'm saving resources on the PC. What is sure. the likelihood that LSU FSU actually kicks as scheduled? At least in in, in, what, in if it's at Tallahassee. Well, so obviously I doubt it's Wednesday. The yep. storm should be well passed by then. Okay, so the storm hit. The storm made landfall this early. Well, we're both Central Time Zone guys. Just for reference, this made landfall. I'm gonna say like at nine o'clock this morning Central Time, uh, Wednesday. Care. So it's gonna blow through and go. Here's the other thing: is that I totally, totally missed my mind here. I, it, I totally skipped my mind. They're playing in South Carolina, UNC South Carolina. That storm's gonna hit South Carolina tomorrow. So. This could it this should could be impact. severely weakened up there though. Yeah, it's gonna well it's it shouldn't it's more even be a tropical storm by then. Well, we'll see, you know, it, it because it's then again we'll like, see what it picks up off the yeah, when it gets to the Atlantic. Because it was a really strong cat three, almost a cat four when it made landfall today. But let's just say it finishes out tonight in the into tomorrow morning. Thursday's gonna have be a rainy day. Friday, Saturday. It just depends on the wind damage and the flooding that happens in Tallahassee on when we see what takes place tomorrow. It's possible that they may cancel this game or they may postpone it. I don't think so though, because I think you know obviously these stadiums have really great uh, drainage setups, but we don't know what the wind damage is going to be like. We don't know how like they're going to have to clean up, like what the city surrounding Tallahassee is going to be around the stadium is going to be like. Like there's so many factors to this, so it's. I'm going to probably say 60-40 right now, as of Wednesday evening. 60-40, the game gets played on Saturday. Okay. I'm sorry, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's a Sunday game. But hey, that's yeah. our weather report for two-back set. 
Um, other news to to kind of get through before we. This might end up being a shorter episode than I thought, which is fine with me. Um, Big Ten news, and this affects Iowa's schedule. The projected left guard starting for Penn State is now medically retired from football. Made that announcement this evening. Um, just kind of perusing a few different reports, it looks like a series of concussions, and he just couldn't get medically cleared to play. Or maybe just made the decision himself not to. Um, so that definitely affects Iowa because that is one of our strengths is the defensive line, even without Noah Shannon with his season-long suspension, which I should also note he's appealing, but is unlikely to be resolved by the Penn State game and likely facing a six-game minimum, no matter even if they change the rule for him. It's at least six games, so he won't play that game. But we're still nine deep on the line with several players that will be playing on Sunday. To what extent, I'm not going to say, but there's some real talent on the defensive line for Iowa going up against now all of a sudden a pretty big hole in the Penn State offensive line. Like depth is one thing at a program like Penn State, but on the mm-hmm. line it is beyond paramount. Like yes. do they really have a sixth man? Because if nothing cuz then you also got to remember guys are rotating in. All of a sudden now your seventh guy is catching more snaps. Your eighth guy is freshman, catching more snaps. Exactly. And if it's a freshman like you're you're it's not a hole it's it's a lack of experience. So exactly. and that's a and that's a big deal. That's why like big game like opening games like this or like this week for like Texas and Iowa, they they have a lighter schedule to open up so they can get those freshmen some snaps before they go out to conference play or their next big game like in Tuscaloosa. And all of a sudden, yeah, so, Penn State's gotta whoever's coming in, they gotta hit the ground well, running. Well we well they have West Virginia coming in this this Saturday. Now West tonight, Virginia so. is widely expected to take a major step back. Yes. Not be good. But it's still not a cream puff school though. No. Yeah, it's not a Utah State, it's not an Alabama AM. So I mean West Virginia has has had success in the Big Twelve over the past few years. So I'm going to say that it'll be a good test for for, for Penn State. Mm-hmm. It will. Because they're expected to have a really good season. They yep. want they're they they have their uh, their sights on the playoff. Yep. And that puts an even greater strain on their depth, like I said, because if anyone else goes down for any stretch of time, all of a sudden you are really exposed on that offensive line with a new quarterback. You know, like you saw what happened a few years ago when Clifford went down against Iowa. Like it was, oh man, like one play, one guy going out can change everything in a hurry. They were at 14 points going to score, and then all of a sudden, bam, Iowa's in control of that game, even while they were losing. Hey, man. Last year in in Austin, yeah, you know, with, Alabama was getting rolled the first quarter, and then like they were the shell shocked. They were they didn't know what to do. Ewers was throwing the ball, flinging it all over the place, and then he goes down with a shoulder injury. And that that game was one off of Bryce Young's leadership. Like he won that game, got him the first round, the number one overall pick. That game because he had to he sh- he was on his ass for what three and a half quarters, and then the final half of that fourth quarter. He willed his way. He willed that team to a victory, you know. So I understand that. Like for me, recently, that's that's a big example of like, you know, it, it can just change for you really fast. Yeah. So and, it'll be definitely like yeah. a man week one. I'm watching that game because I want to see what their line looks like, yep. and that's what's going to come down to me picking Iowa Penn State. Is like how do their lines look? If Iowa's mm-hmm. is as projected and Penn State's kind of shaky, I'm even I'm I'm gonna like definitively say I pick Iowa. But that comes down to how Penn State's backup looks, how their depth looks, what their scheme looks like in place because of that injury. Do they change things? That'll be a really fascinating one to watch. Yeah, so that's probably gonna gonna be my my primary night game 
will be West Virginia Penn State just because I really want to see what's going on with Penn State. You know, like so, you said. Well, before we get and the to other our... thing is the other thing, real quick, the one thing we 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 bring up we we forget is you mentioned it earlier, but bring it up again. It's not just injuries, but it's also fatigue because of the heat. Week one yeah. is always a lot of the Midwest is getting brutalized this East weekend. Cramps go like a lot of players don't get hurt, but they go down with cramps. So th- it could be a situation where Penn State's just like, oh shit, we've lost two or three guys. Or I mean, it could happen in West Virginia, but I'm saying like this is the first week or two of college football are really tough on the uh, on the on the on the line, both offensive and defensive, with guys that just go down with fatigue and cramps. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of, before we get into some playoff setup talk, let's talk like actual setup. Like, how many games are you watching at once? Like, what's your provider? What do you What do you go to? Okay, so I'm a big fan of YouTube TV, mostly because uh, when I first cut the cable cord, I got into Sling TV. Awful, never liked it. And then PlayStation View came out. I liked their approach, like their setup. I like YouTube TV, man. I can open up three or four different tabs on my monitors because I have three monitors. In my in my in this room here, I got three monitors right in front of me. Uh, two of them are on. I don't have all three on because you know I would probably look like like a bright bulb was in my face. Um, so I like using these three monitors, and I just hang out back here. Have a I have like a, a little pull out mattress or a little a chair. I'll just lay, sit back here and watch them, or I go to the living room. I have a big TV. That's only for the big game. You you've been here, so you've been in my living room. Uh, so. There's a couch, there's a chase that's really comfortable. You can just lay flat out on and, uh, you know, I'll I'll kick back there, but it's usually that's only if it's like I'm only watching one game. If it's like the first week of college football this Saturday, multiple games I got to watch all at once, YouTube TV, you can open up three or four different browsers. Boom, 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 boom on the screen. I like it, man. What's your setup like? Whoa, what is happening to your camera? It is like right. on a loop. That's incredible. Did I break my camera? I think you did. Oh no. <laughs> He's cracking up. I don't see it. I don't see it. I just You're like you're doing this like thing with your hands and it's repeating. Oh god. <laughs> oh and kids caught up. It caught up. Oh god. We're back. We're back, fam. Okay. We're back. Okay. I feel like, God. was it like the Tuscan Raider situation from the first Star Wars? Kind of, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely clip it out and send it to you before I upload the, uh, the oh, episodes. That's going to be a TikTok, by the way. I'm sure he's going to post oh, it on TikTok. absolutely. I'm going to put that up on TikTok. You know it. You better get the right sound for that effect underneath it. Oh, definitely. Yes. Like the Tuscan Raider. Uh, 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 uh. I, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll make a mark for that. But um, yeah, What's so your you, setup? are you using, I was going to ask, are you using their multi-cam feature now where they've got like multiple feeds on one tab? I haven't tested that out yet. I'm going to try that out. Apparently tomorrow. it's not super customizable though. Okay. Well, Whereas like in March Madness, it makes sense because there's only so many feeds, right? Yep. Like, and you, and it's, and it's the same company. Like it's obviously three different channels or, or four technically, but it's, it's the NCAA controls it all. And then CBS, the main company controls it all. Right beyond who else is i can think it's true true and tnt right yep tbs but, yeah tbs cbs so like, tbs it's, it's and it's just a different atmosphere whereas like college football you got cbs sports network you've got peacock now you've got you know nbc you've got fox you've got fox sports you've got fs1 you've got espn all the espn channels espn plus sec channel like, so many you know. right BTN, and they haven't yeah. even talked about other like smaller streaming services that have this let the, the lower conferences there's a lot and it's not yeah. super customizable from what i've heard but i'm interested in trying it out i would do youtube tv if 
I wasn't paying for Hulu because my parents are used to it. You know, I got to deal with that where I'm paying it for my parents and they're used to this thing. I don't want to have to teach them another streaming service. Oh. And I don't mind the Hulu UI. It works for me. Okay. I really, I've, I've had Hulu because I do have all the streaming networks. Like both of us have a lot of the streaming channels. But with TV, I have just, I've preferred the UI of YouTube TV. I think it's real simplified and it's easy to work through. I'll go check out the multi-camera. Now, you bring up something that now, quick, quick tangent. I know that college basketball, the NCAA has shifted over how they used to do things. But do you remember like five or six years ago where the NCAA put everything on the March Madness website and yeah, from everything? You could. That was that was amazing. That was, amazing. That was, that was, it was a, like a two two or three year run. That was phenomenal what yeah, they did. The one year I had the E. coli. No, it was the spring. Yeah, like that was the, the, the year it happened. Two weeks earlier before the E. coli thing, I was at home. I took both days off and I was like, wait a minute. I can have the March Madness, Hulu, and a free trial of YouTube TV going at the same time. Oh my God, I got six games going. This is fucking amazing. Like it was, it was heaven. Yeah, that that March Madness uh, web browser was just phenomenal. It was so like, good. And then, and then they they decided to just turn everything over to the networks again. And well, I, I'm sure they had I, a network like a rights yeah. re, like renegotiation but, and stuff. Yeah, but, but like that, that, it was like a year or two where they did it, it awesome. on, on the March Madness. It was just oh man, it was great. But you know, I'm super excited. I have I use YouTube TV. I think it's great. Hey man, whatever works for you. Like you said, you have Hulu. Guys, whatever you works for you, go for it. If you're old school, hey, that's great. For me, I like the browsers because I can open up multiple monitors. I can even add additional USB monitors. Like I can add a tablet and stream. Like I can have six or five, six or seven different screens if I really want to. You know? Yeah. That's sort of. And like the great thing about YouTube TV is they don't put a restriction on that. So hey. Yeah. Yeah. My dream setup is not only my current three monitor setup. What I want to do, and this was maybe a get when I get my own place situation, we took down our antenna, our over-the-air antenna. And okay. I live in the middle of nowhere. Like, I grew up on antenna TV. There's a, You can get some solid channels both out of Des Moines and Minneapolis because I'm right in between of both. So yeah. I mostly get Minnesota, like, for the net, major networks, So which is great because I'm a Vikings fan, so you can get all there. So I want to get an antenna just for that because Hulu puts me in Des Moines, which is a pain in the ass because then I'm Chiefs, Bears, Packers, never Vikings, which is bullshit because I'm 12 miles from the fucking border to Minnesota. I'm a Vikings fan. The fact that there's no option for saying, hey, for sports, I want to be this. Like, in just in terms of, like, the fact that it's so specific is very annoying. But I want to get a antenna hooked back up to this TV so I can watch, like, the main ABC broadcast or Fox broadcast or even CBS now that they're getting some Big Ten games. And then have all my streaming games at the same time. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, it's not worth the because of your lower. You have a lower bandwidth to get a, a VPN. Exactly. Right? It's yeah. It's just yeah. not worth the hassle. And again, because again, I'm not by myself. You know, like I got to deal with my parents want their locals. You know, like yeah. that's oh, just yeah. something I got to deal with. So, but I do want the antenna back eventually. I want to get the nice amplifier on it so I can get crystal clear because eventually. I think they have they're working on 4K OTA, which is like that's gonna yeah. be awesome. Yeah, that's gonna be really cool. Like, and that's just the evolution of that technology. The fact that I mean, the government's not gonna let it die because it's extremely useful. Like, I I, I want to get back to that as you know, on top of that's like the ultimate cord cutting, you know. So that's just something oh. I want to do. So speaking of setup, we should talk about a little news about the the 12 team playoff that was announced. Well, yes, I think it was how many commissioners, plus, of course, Notre Dame's AD. 
Uh, ten of the FBS commissioners met in a room, along with Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick uh, this morning to talk about the the CFP going forward. Yeah. So what it looks like is is that the college football playoff has stated that they're not going to make any formal format changes until the Pac-12 has cleared itself out, which we we should. I know we were like on the cusp of like the last four teams being sent out to the ACC or whatever, but uh, I think that's I think with the 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 what is it the grant of rights is the big issue yeah. with the ACC. That's become a kind of a roadblock with uh, Cal and Stanford and SMU is now talking about being put into the mix. Which I think is cool for the ACC to do that. I think it's a it's an underdog school. That well, they're really they're not going to pay them. Yeah, like, I mean, that that first, story. Why that was like the first five. Like, oh hey, our alumni is just like how much yeah. how many million a year? Fuck it, we got that. That's pocket yeah, change. The SMU is a very rich school. Let me put it like that. I know people that have gone there. They got rich. that kind of money. Yep, they got, got that. that kind oh, of conference, you don't need to pay us. We'll come for free. Exactly. They got that kind of money. Like, oh, what? Everybody's getting twenty million now. We're good. First six years, don't worry about us. Um, so basically, the college football playoff has said that they're not going to make the changes as it stands now. Next year, we're going to go into the twelve-team format. That is going to be um, the model sets up as the six highest-ranked conference champions plus the next six highest-ranked teams. My thought is, if we're going twelve. And we're and we're going to have kind of madness with these super conferences and smaller and all these amalgamated conferences next year. Me personally, Thomas, I think this would be a good place for the uh, for the uh, BCS to, to to help determine who those twelve teams are. I don't know what your thoughts are, uh, but yeah, so that's where we stand right now. They're not going to make any changes until we figure out what's going to happen with the Pac-12. Once that's a done deal and the Pac-12 officially announces that they're folding. Then they'll go ahead and sit down at the table and rediscuss what's going on with the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of that just because, I mean, the BCS was, don't get me wrong, it can be a useful metric, like as a, hey, this is what computers think the rankings should be, like yep. 1 to 25. This is what they think. And obviously, you have the human element of, well, we know, you know, like X team played X team. They didn't have X players, so you really got to weight that differently. They can make that kind of subjective argument in a way a computer can't you can only quantify so much of the game. So I, I, I'm not against them using it as a tool as part of like, say like what the March Madness does with their, with their metrics, with like the net and stuff like that. But no, I don't think that should be the be all end all. No, I'm not saying it'd be the end, end all be all. I say you do your combination of your, your coaches poll and then the BCS to help determine who your 12 teams would be. Just because my biggest issue is going to be, and we're going to probably even get it the first year next year, we have too many really good teams within the same handful yep. of conferences. Well, what happens if Tulane is ranked 12th and they win their conference? I mean, that's, and that's, yeah. Like, what happens? Are they in? That's, I, I, I'm okay with. Because it's okay certainly not a power five. Because then a, but then you're going to have like a two loss Ohio State bitch and moan that they should be in if they're not. That's what know. I mean. Like, it's going to be. Those fringe cases are only going to get muddier. But I'm honestly here for it because it gives those teams a shot. Like, they legit have a shot of, like, hey, you guys, non-Power 5, like, or Power 4, whatever happens with the pack. Like, you got a shot. Not a great shot, but you have a shot, whereas before you definitely did not. You had to be multiple times top 10 to even get a sniff. Yeah. Well, people are going to complain because they're going to say, what about, like, the Cincy's and the UCF's? 
of the world saying like, oh, they should have a shot at the playoff. But then, you know, since he goes in and gets stomped and people are like, see, that's why they shouldn't be in the playoff. It's like, but you don't know until you face, like, you, you got to get those. You gotta, and they weren't expecting yeah. national title. <clears throat> no, but you have to give the underdog conferences a chance to come in and see, like, and show that maybe they are legit. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. We but don't that's know, the but... only, it's the only major sport that says, hey, you just don't have a shot when you start, no matter where you are, no matter how fin- how you finish. If you're not in the power four or five, and yeah. you got you got no chance. Yep. Whereas March Madness, <clears throat> hey, St. Peter's, tiny little school in the middle of nowhere, are on the East Coast. Fuck it, go beat yep. the number one seed. Uh, I think I think there's they're gonna. I, I think as soon as the Pac-12 has done, the group of five conferences are going to say, okay, guys, we need to know what's going to happen with the seeding in the college football playoff. So I think maybe next year, and maybe what they'll probably do is they'll do the six plus six thing, the current format. They'll keep it as is for twenty four, and then change it for twenty five. Once I don't think they're gonna say. You know, let's just say in the middle of this season, the Pac-12 finally announces what they're going to do. The four schools are out, what conferences they're going to, whatever happens. I don't think that they're going to change the football, the, the, the criteria for next year's playoff. I don't I don't think so. I think they'll probably go with six plus six and then change it again after that. See, I would rather they wait a couple of years, like give it some actual time. First time you've done a 12 team. I wouldn't, I, tinkering's fine, but tinkering on the fly without really seeing how things settle. Yeah. That I'm opposed to because I don't think that's good decision making. Well, you still have the unless AAU. it's universally like universally reviled. Like everyone's like, yeah, this didn't work. Then then tinker away. But like if it's splitting hairs, don't just wildly change your rules. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we don't know if there's another big super conference that gets formed with like the Mountain West AAU, the Colonial Conference. Like they may they may all say like, hey, let's just let's build one big conference. Right. They may do that and say, OK, we've got 18, 20 teams as well. We should be in the mix. We should technically be a power five. We shouldn't be a group of five. We should be a power five because of the number of schools we have in our conference. I you're maybe you're right. Honestly, Thomas, maybe we should say let's wait a couple of years, two or three years versus let's let's let the Pac-12 and then immediately change it. Uh, there, I, I think the six plus six should be a good way. Now, it'll make things kind of hairy given the landscape next year. The other thing I find funny is that Notre Dame, their AD shows up with all these commissioners, these conference commissioners. It's like Notre Dame's still going to be that school, man. They're going to, they're going to die on that independence. Fine, man, whatever. They got the money. They don't have to care. You know, but it's going to be interesting when they have, they they get in the the next two or three years, it's going to be harder for them to schedule big name schools. You say that, but the, a lot of the talk right now is contraction. And when we get to that point, ND's oh, looking yeah. just fine. Because their yeah. deal is solid. They're a one-team deal. They can go wherever they want. Right? Like, yeah. when that comes around, they're going to, they command viewership. So is it ACC or Big Ten that has a, that big NBC deal? Uh, currently Big Ten. Big Ten, right? So I know there's kind of that toe-in, toe-out with the ACC with, with Notre Dame, but I, I could see Notre Dame working out something with NBC and the Big Ten to join that conference. Yeah, at NBC least that I, I would say they're probably their current relationship to the ACC. Yeah. Where it's but mostly it, mostly Big Ten. But it's going to have to be where the Big Ten gives up so much in concessions to, to Notre Dame in terms of like the TV deal, right? That's, Unless they just decide to say, no. Yeah. Hit, hit the road. Either I mean, join, Dame, join or don't. Notre Dame makes a 
butt ton of money off of their exclusive deal with with NBC. They do. Why that's why that's the main reason why they want to stay independent. So, uh, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, and the next year or two, it's going to be interesting to see how they schedule out their 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 their. Especially now that their, their opponents, their non-cons, locked up. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Why bother even leaving the conference if you're Texas? Because you have you have cream puffs in the SEC that you could just schedule out, you know, or you could just dip your toe back into the Big Twelve and schedule a, you know, a you know a U of H. You know, there's there's ways there's ways for them to work to not really need to have to go to Notre Dame like they were in the past. Mm-hmm. Now Stanford is just Stanford. No matter where they go, no matter what happens to Stanford, they just they like that hookup with Notre Dame every year. I don't see that changing for them. For the USC, no, no that would be a staple, and it should be. Yeah, yeah. but um, it's going to be an interesting year going into next year. I want there to be great college football. We'll worry about the mess that will be the new conferences next year. Future selves can handle that stuff, man. Honestly, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to provide. I think that we should talk about like people were kind of wondering what's going to happen with the playoff format. NCAA says we're not going to really do anything right now. Or I should say the what's the, the college what's football? The, yeah, the board, like the CFP, board, the playoff board, whatever. The CFP, the board. Yeah, because yeah. technically NCAA does not oversee college football. That's very in terms true. of postseason like accolades that's and like play. So, all right, well that's probably where we're gonna wrap our week one preview episode. Episode two yep. for two back set is in the can. Week next week. What's your next week look like? Obviously, there's Labor Day. Obviously. We want to, do we want to stick with Wednesday recording times? Let's let's do Wednesday because it feels good, like right before going into yeah, the next week. especially with like, like mid early week games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because as as the season goes on, we're going to start getting better and better Thursday night games. Yep. So, all right, everyone, that's where we're going to wrap it up here. Um, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you want to stick around for the season. If you're on YouTube, hit the link below for our run your pool bracket, like picks pool, not bracket. God, still basketball on the brain. What the fuck is wrong with my brain? It's college, man. You're used to just saying brackets. Yeah, that's just that's normally how I've done things is the bracket challenges. So, but the picks pool, the link will be below. And I uh, hope everyone has a good college football Saturday. We'll see you next week. Bye.